welcome to the Real Kill Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loisel. And with me this week, I have, you know, the same person that's with me every week, but I have to let you know, okay? My gregarious. Gregarious. And also nefarious. Nefarious. Oh, shit. <laughs> I am the gregarious and the nefarious. Co-host. Co-host, Mark Salcedo. As I twirl my fingers in nefarious natures or something <laughs> nefarious affairs yeah nefarious affairs there you go <laughs> hi everybody um this week let's see i'm gonna do my intro first which is we have facebook twitter instagram all at the real appeal uh that's real with two e's the real appeal at gmail.com is where you can email us if you want to contact us um, we would love you forever if you would leave us a review on iTunes. Um, okay, so this week on the show we've got, we've got the news. Um, we're doing our recent review of The Gentleman. Uh, our Variety Time segment this week is going to be Simon Says. We have not heard from our British person over there. Simon Gruber. And I was going to say something and try to be clever, but it was like, uh. Well, you got to say it now. No, no, I didn't have anything. Oh, okay. That was the problem. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you don't have to say it. <laughs> um, and our geriatric cinematic will be The Long Good Friday from the 80s. Woo. Um, so, yeah. Let's jump into our news. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is delayed. Yeah, uh, there was quite a few reports that were coming out that um, the show was being shelved. Um, so far, the story is that it got dropped down to like four episodes right now, and uh, there's some issues with the script. Um, there are multiple sources, uh, especially coming like from Variety, had said that uh, the script is was kind of getting too similar to the Mandalorian mm -hmm. because it would have had uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, kind of protecting or watching over a young Luke Skywalker. And is, Leia too. And Leia, which is a very Mandalorian thing now because, you know, Baby Yoda. Um, the original writer for, uh, the, I'm about to say the Mandalorian, for Obi-Wan uh, looks like the name's Amini. Oh, how is it Amini? It's weird. Uh, they've been taken off the project, and Disney is now looking for some new writers to uh, re rework the script. Supposedly, David F Dave Filoni is tapped to do it. Dave Filoni is like some people are calling him like the successor to the Star Wars legacy. He's mm -hmm. worked under George Lucas, uh, but Dave Filoni has done work on The Mandalorian, on uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, especially because it's coming back like uh, season seven, supposed to be the final s season. Mm -hmm. And they said that Christopher Yost is mm -hmm. also in line to take over as uh, as writer. But that might not happen because he is kind of busy right now with the Cowboy Bebop TV show on Netflix. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so I mean, I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm not really worried. Star Wars, I mean, it's Star Wars. Disney's. Ever, I don't know. I think they might be getting kind of cold feet now. 
especially after uh, the rise of Skywalker. You think it's cold feet? I think that... I don't know, but I, I feel like the script itself that they were talking about, mm-hmm. because it's Luke and Leia and you expect Obi-Wan to be protecting them, I think it's kind of weird to say that it's too much like The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Unless he wrote the episodes exactly like it. Yeah. Because it's not too far-fetched to be like, oh, this is something that we know exists anyway. Yeah, and I think they've kind of, I don't know, they've kind of, they kind of painted themselves in the corner. Because, you know, we all know that Obi-Wan eventually, he's on Tatooine looking over Luke Skywalker. Mm -hmm. So are we assumed that, like, at some point or another that, like, um, that Obi-Wan left the planet for a little bit? You know, if not, then he's going to kindly, he's going to be in that desert setting. And it's like, how much story can you do within it that's not Mandalorian-ish? Mm-hmm. So I think they're they're kind of really trying to figure out how to make the story interesting or intriguing or at the level as The Mandalorian. Because that was a, nobody expected that show to be so good. And that's what all, everybody was talking about when it was on. Mm. So, I mean, I don't, I, I really hope they do get this off the ground. They said that the, um, the filming's been pushed back to summer of 2021. No, no, no. I think it was supposed to start filming yeah. this summer. Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to get start filming this summer. Uh, I remember at D23, D23, Kathleen Kennedy had actually said, we have the scripts done and we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. And now they're not ready to go. Yeah, now it's pushed back to January of 2021. Yeah. So, I don't... So they said, yeah, it's, it's going to happen, but they don't really foresee it causing mm. too much of a delay because they already have everyone cast. They just got to write the script. Yeah, yeah. Plus, this is something that's been in the making for like well over ten years because mm. everybody's been wanting Hugh McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi to come back because he was like the only, really the only good thing that came out of those prequels. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Hugh McGregor really loves that role. It's it's a very iconic role, and I don't think he's gonna like jump ship anytime soon. I don't think so either. Yeah, and if he does, if he does, they can't do the show. I, I don't think they could do the show. Because everyone's going to be like, that's not you, McGregor. We're not going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he did. You, McGregor, didn't quote on the news about Open One Kenobi being pushed back. Um, he's, he has said, it's just slid to next year. That's all. The script was really good. Uh, he continued on by saying, now that episode nine came out and everyone enjoyed, everyone in Lucasfilm has got more time to spend on the writing. They felt they wanted more time to write the episodes so maybe they felt rushed because of the rise of skywalker coming Mm, out yeah and uh, you know the mandalorian was out and they just felt like they had to ride that train and now that everything's kind of died down maybe they feel like they could maybe they should slow down and like give it proper justice yeah plus like they can really step out of the star wars universe that we know or that that the mainstream audience knows of the star wars universe and they can really like flex and like stretch out to be like, okay, cool, let's make a Star Wars story, but not have it too hearken to what we've already done. Mm-hmm. Let's make it a little bit different. Right. Okay. I saw on ABC News. Okay, Isa. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Hold on. Hey, Google. <laughs> hey, Google. Power down. Okay, so apparently. Our surprise guest is Google Home. <laughs> yeah, known as Issa Rae. Known as Issa Rae, folks. 
she, uh, she had an opinion about this, and um, that's what she said. So I'm sorry she had to quiet down. So yeah, <laughs> what else happened in the news? <laughs> um, didn't we talk hmm. about Howard the Duck from D23? Wasn't that a that wasn't a that was that was a show Kevin Smith was going to do? Yeah. Mm. And everyone was so excited about it, and what now? It's not going to come about, or is it going to find a new home? It's it's not moving forward, and I and I I'm bothered by this because I like Howard the Duck, I like the combo character, I even like that shitty movie that came out in like the mid eighties. <laughs> yeah, the, the, what it, it, it's not getting, it's not moving forward. Hmm. Um. Like I can't I can't share your pain for that <laughs> you're just kind of like, uh, well, like I, I don't really know what that is <laughs> whatever i yeah. don't care okay so there was there's uh so two out of the four animated marvel projects that's on hulu uh it's gotten canceled uh modok is still going hit monkey is still going but the um other shows which is howard the duck and tigra and dazzler are not moving forward i'm actually surprised this this happened because it seemed like i know like marvel was Marvel TV television was kind of moving some things around to fit more into the Disney Plus streaming service and then maybe within that world. Mm-hmm. But I thought for sure these anime shows are still going to like keep going. I'm, I I do like the fact that Modoc is still going, mm-hmm. which I heard is going to be really ridiculous. And Patton Oswalt is going to play Modoc. Mm-hmm. But Howard, the, I, I really wanted to see what Kevin Smith could have done with Howard because that's that's so his wheelhouse, that level of comedy. Are you sure that they're just not going to run with it anywhere or he might find a new home for it? Um, uh, let me see. That's what I'm wondering. It says, let me see, Variety confirmed that Howard, Duck, and Tigra and uh, Dazzler, two of four animated uh, Marvel projects set up at Hulu, are no longer in the works at the streamer. The other two shows, Modoc and Hitmonkey, are currently still back to be completed. Yeah, there's nothing saying that it's going to be on anywhere else. I, I. I think it's a, I think it is a great opportunity to put that on Disney Plus, just so they can start having their own. Their, I mean, there are several Marvel animated shows that are on Disney Plus streaming, like the Avengers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this would this would be a missed opportunity if they didn't if they didn't take this and put it over there. It would, yeah. And then they were going to do some kind of crossover event uh, with the series called The Offenders. Yeah, it's like. It's like comedic Avengers. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll never get to see that. Yeah. I mean, but Disney Disney owns like, what, 50% of Hulu? So Something like that. So maybe they might just move MODOK over there in Disney Plus. Yeah. So Maybe. Know. Yeah. Poo-poo. Poo-poo. You know what else is poo-poo? What else is poo-poo? Kobe Bryant died. Yeah. And his 13-year-old daughter yeah and a helicopter crash um yeah that's i mean if you've been living underneath a rock yeah basketball basketball legend kobe bryant um him and him his daughter and seven other folks uh unfortunately died in a helicopter crash um that actually really that's affected a lot of people uh across across the planet um I, w- I was going to the gym this morning, and in the locker room, they have uh, uh, two TVs. It's always on sports channels, like mm-hmm. ESPN and maybe like ESPN2 or something. And that's all they were talking about was Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And um, I'm, not a big ba- I'm not a basketball fan. 
I'm not a Lakers fan. I, I rarely even watch sports, mm-hmm. but I do understand the impact Kobe Bryant had. Not even, not just in Los Angeles, but across so many lives. Yeah, um, I'm in the same boat. Like I like basketball, but I've never really been like a fan of any of the teams. And I've it's been a really long time since I've watched a game. Mm. And uh, yesterday, because it just happened yesterday. Yeah, it happened on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday yeah. morning. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it felt really surreal all day. Like it felt like a weird, foggy day. Yeah, I remember like you and I were hanging out in the morning, and I saw it on Facebook, and I just pass it off like, all right, it's one of those rumor deaths or whatever you know you know the the thing mm-hmm. jackie chan yeah died like a hoax yeah, yeah a hoax death yeah and you're like no fucking way and i knew you're talking what you're talking about i was like it's a hoax it's not real and then as i started looking on twitter i was like holy shit that's fucking real yeah um i work with a few people who really 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 like were upset mm. like one of my coworkers said she cried for 10 hours yesterday jesus christ yeah like and there are some huge Laker fans in my office. Yeah, yeah. There was um, there was some footage of people going out to the Staples Center because Kobe Bryant helped build that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he didn't get down, grab a hammer, and nail, and shit like that. But like, it's been built off of like his popularity and his legacy and everything. And there were like thousands upon thousands of people just going out mourning his death. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen like a bunch of pictures of it. Um, what uh, some of the other people that were in the uh, helicopter crash was a uh, Orange Coast college basketball coach John was it Antabelli if you can help me with that Antabelli Antabelli his wife Carrie and his daughter uh, Alice Alyssa Alyssa thank you were also passengers passengers on the helicopters of course spokesperson for the community college um and as as time has kind of gone on I mean it it's only been about like. <sighs> A day and a half. It's been a day and a half. And I've been seeing, like, articles and, like, videos of Kobe Bryant and, like, past interviews. One interview that really, really, really struck me was um, he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Kimmel was asking Kobe Bryant about, like, because uh, if I remember correctly, he has, he has four kids and they're all girls. And Jimmy Kimmel had brought the idea that, like, oh, like, your legacy, like, you know, you don't have a son to pass your legacy on. Because that's what, that's, that's, everyone's. It's a very male thing. Yeah, yeah, everyone assumes that a father wants to have a son to continue their legacy. And he was just like, like, why do I need a son? I have my daughter. Um, what's her name? Gianna. Gianna Bryan. I have my daughter to pass my legacy. And his, from what I had seen, his daughter was a, actually was becoming a really good basketball player. And she wanted to become a member of the uh, NWA when she got, uh, when she got of age. Mm-hmm. And Kobe Bryant was like a spokesperson for that basketball league. And he was just like all for it. Yeah. So I mean, that's fucked up. That's like, that's like one legacy cut. Sh- that's, those are two legacies cut short. Yeah, that's like him still building his legacy mm-hmm. and her never realizing hers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Barack Obama, former President Barack Obama, went on Twitter to give his condolences and said that Kobe Bryant was had just started his second act. Yeah. You know, exactly. And, I mean, not only that, I mean, not only was he, you know, he's considered one of the greatest basketball players of all time or one of the greatest athletes of all time. He was a producer, 
uh, he won an Oscar for this short film called, uh, I think it's called Dear Basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, before we recorded, I actually watched the video or the short film. It's about five minutes. It is beautiful. Yeah. It is like, it is a love letter from Kobe Bryant to the art of basketball and how he is so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And it's this really, really well done animation and fucking John Williams did the music behind it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit. And at the near the end of the short film, he kind of comes to terms that like, my heart is in it, my soul is in it, my mind is in it, but my body cannot take it anymore. So I have to leave this passion and search out for other ventures because I have to make my name elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it was a really beautiful, really beautiful short film. Yeah. So I don't know. That really, his death really fucked me up. Yeah. It, like I'm one of those people that, I hate to see potential wasted. And even though he reached his potential, mm. there were other things that he was not finished doing yet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's what, that always bothers me. Um, and then, of course, with the helicopter, I'm hearing that it was when, like, flying under special conditions or something like that. Like, mm. they, in any regular, f- f- like, aircraft would not have been allowed to fly under those conditions, but they were given special clearance or something. Wow, really? Yeah, so it was, like, usually due to traffic or weather. Yeah. Um, And so they still went up in that helicopter, and um, I think there's more coming out about it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, I... I've, I feel like we ha- we kind of have to talk about this. We don't necessarily have to go into full detail, but of course, the story of um, the rape case that was against him about ten years ago or something like that, and it's kind of fucked up because <clears throat> people are bringing that up now. Yeah, and it's I, we get it. Like we we know. I mean, you have to like look into the full details of it and all this stuff. And I believe he was like settled out of court and everything. But if you want to have a discussion about it, have a discussion about it, but not now. Like, people are bringing it up. Like, we have to bring it up now. It's the most wrongest fucking time to bring that shit up. It's not even just that they're bringing it up. It's how they're doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the court of public opinion. Yeah. Right? So, they're, they're assuming that they know who he is and what he stands for. So, you know, like, you have fans and mm-hmm. then you have the other side. Yeah. And the other side is like, oh, yeah, and... You know, it was this other coach and wife and, you know, their daughter that passed away. Yeah. And they're completely ignoring the fact that Kobe and, and his daughter died in the helicopter crash. Because yeah. they're like, oh, you know, as far as, you know, if I can just ignore them, you know, like, fuck those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're even and even when they're bringing up that whole rape case, they're taken away from, from the people in the story. Like, mm-hmm. the rape case is becoming a big story again. It's like, no, let's not forget the other people who are also in the helicopter. Yeah. Which, you know, was pretty much what you were saying. Yeah, well, uh, I'm saying, I'm saying, cool, like, yeah, don't just make it about Kobe. Mm. But also, like, no, there are actually people who are, like... Who also were in that crash. The, yeah, the, all they're doing is saying, oh, yeah, these people died in this helicopter crash, and they're not saying anything about Kobe because, mm. you know, it's a snub. Yeah. Basically, it's a snub. Yeah. Or like there was a page that um 
I was following. Mm. And they made a joke like 20 minutes after the news broke. Mm. And I was like, okay, I unfollowed it. Yeah. That is the wrongest time to bring shit, to do shit like that. Yeah. I don't know. What What else? I'm trying to remember something else that kind of stuck with me about the whole Kobe Bryant thing. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if it's more of the loss of Kobe. I think it's probably say it's more the loss of like, it's Kobe Bryant and it's his daughter. Yeah. Like the mother has to deal with the loss of her husband and the loss of her child. And that's like some fucked up shit, especially if you're, cause you know, you're a parent, you have two girls. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I have a, I have a daughter and that's like a horrifying thing to picture yourself in where you're like, you're in the last moments of your life and your daughter's with her, with you. It'd be kind of different if you're like, oh, I'm about to die, but at least my kids are okay. Mm-hmm. No, you're just like, I'm about to die and my, my, one of my child is going with me too. Like, holy fucking shit. I'm like living in hell within this 15 seconds. Yeah. That's the worst kind of hell. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's what's really getting to me. Yeah. You know, so. And yeah, the pictures of them together too, by the way. Oh, they had a... They were close. They were close. There's a lot of pictures of him smiling, joking around. You he always tell. had like his arm around her. Yeah, you can tell he's always like giving her advice. Like, yeah, this is how you want to play. You want to do it like this. And you can tell like there's like this, like just beautiful, perfect bond between like father and daughter. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that's not. I mean, there are other there are other fathers who will have that obviously across the world and everything, but they have it on that scale. And that, and public, that publicly, uh, right? That publicly. Because it goes against the stereotypes of black fathers. Exactly. It goes against the stereotype of fathers in general. Mm-hmm. And then it also goes against, there's also a stereotype with, with girls that age. Yeah, absolutely. That they're not intelligent, that they're, mm-hmm. they don't have ambition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just boy crazy. And who knows? Maybe she was like a little bit boy crazy. It's her age. But yeah. She's still able to focus on other things, it seems like. So, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It, there's a lot of a lot of things all wrapped up into one. Yeah. And, I mean, and to, to point something out, um, one last thing to point out about this is that Kobe Bryant, you know, he wasn't just, he wasn't just like a basketball player. He wasn't just like a black athlete. He was like this, like, inspiration that black people could look up to. Mm-hmm. You know, like black like people. where OJ and fucking Bill Cosby failed to be. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, yeah. Uh, like okay, so like in a black community, we have people that we look up to, that we inspire to be, to creatively, business wise, and stuff like that. Because we always have to, we always feel the need that we gotta, we have to prove ourselves, which is kind of fucked up. That's just how, that's just how society is like towards us, and. When, Kobe Bryant inspired so many young people, young black people, you know, kids who either they want to be a basketball player or have that that drive, that ambition, that dedication that he had towards the game. Mm-hmm. And he had this level of success. I want to be as successful as Kobe Bryant. I want to reach that level because we don't really have that much in the public eye. You know, I mean, not only did like black people look up to him, but like white people look up to him. Lati- the Latino community loved him, and he mm-hmm. loved the Latino community back. You know, and it's kind of sucks because like this inspiration is like gone. Forty-one years old, this dude had at least another forty years on his in his life, mm-hmm. at least. Fucking just cut short. Yeah, and that's that's another thing that just breaks my heart. Yeah, and um, 
just to wrap it up, uh, I want to mention that his last tweet was congratulate congratulating LeBron James on uh, beating oh, a yeah, record beating of score. his. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. I heard. I heard when uh, he got off when LeBron James got off the plane because I guess he was traveling when the news broke out. He like broke down. Was his crying? Yeah, that's understandable. That was his friend. Yeah, I didn't know if they were friends or rivals, but yeah, there's like well, because LeBron's a part of the Lakers and Kobe still hung around the Lakers even after his retirement. Um, yeah, I don't think they ever played together, but you know he's Lake, Lakers. That's his team. He was with the team for like over ten years. Yeah, so he was like, yeah, I'm gonna hang around and see you guys, and they went up against each other on the court, but they were still friends. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we've had enough of the sadness. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we definitely need to start trying to have some fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are going to get into our recent review of The Gentleman. I want you to play a game with me, Ray. I don't want to play a game. Oh, please. No. I said play a game with me, Raymond. Right. Lovely. I want you to imagine a character. Your boss, Mickey Pearson. You're too smart to be blackmailing us, Fletcher. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet Mary Jane is my vice. Your poison, on the other hand, is and always has been the destroyer of worlds. You're out of touch, and I would like you to consider an offer. I am not for sale. The plot begins to thicken. Now, I can't be specific about the heroes and zeros, but our protagonist is a hungry animal. There is a lot of money hanging in the balance. Our antagonist explodes on the scene like a millennial firework. And has indirectly started a war. I think you need to see this, boss. What's the one of my firearms? How do they find it? I'm making inquiries. His name is Fahok. We're spelt with a PH, so it sounds like Fahok. Please! Harry Fahok, Kanda Fahok. Please! The IMDb synopsis for The Gentleman is a British drug lord tries to sell off his highly profitable empire to a dynasty of Oklahoma billionaires. What? That was that was a show up on IMDb. They're not in Oklahoma, though. Well, no, the guy was an Oklahoma billionaire. I don't know what that means. He was a billionaire from Oklahoma. Okay. That's all. <laughs> that's what it is. Okay. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, directed by Guy Ritchie, who did Snatch in 2000, the Sherlock Holmes films in 2008 and 11, and The Man from Uncle in 2015. It was also written by Guy Ritchie, and it stars Matthew McConaughey as Mickey Pearson, Charlie Hunnam as Ray, Michelle Dockery as Rosalind Pearson, Jeremy Strong as Matthew, Colin Farrell as Coach. Uh, Henry Golding as Dry Eye, Tom Lewis as Lord George, and Hugh Grant as Fletcher. What did you think about this film? Hmm. I'm kind of mixed on it. Mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings towards it. Um, a part of me likes it because it's a Guy Ritchie film, and it's he's doing what he does best. British gangster films. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Snatch. Uh, Revolver was kind of whack. Uh, Rock and Roller. Mm-hmm. Those were great British crime films with mm-hmm. a bit of comedy in it. So 
when I saw the trailer for The Gentleman, I was like, yes, that's what I need. I want that. Give me more of that. I missed that guy, Richie. Mm-hmm. I never saw... I never saw that King Arthur movie, which I heard is garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw Aladdin. And we we, enjoyed we liked it. Aladdin. It we was fun. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't a Guy Ritchie film. It was a Disney film. Yeah. Um, I actually like those Sherlock Holmes films, the one with Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I really do want a part three to come out. Um, uh, weren't they working on one? Or supposedly, supposedly uh, Robert Downey Jr. might try to do it. I think he is going to do it again. Yeah. I mean he. He's he's not he's not doing Morrow anymore and Doolittle bombed, mm-hmm. so I'm sure he'll have time to to jump back on that. But this one, I I, I enjoyed it. Maybe like seventy percent of the time I enjoyed it. I'll I'll be generous to say seventy five percent. There are some issues with it that we're gonna that I want to point out. Um, one is like the pacing. That pacing is bad. Yeah, the pacing's really off. Yeah, um, it it's it's kind of goes like up and down, like you're getting really involved in the story. Yeah, it's like like they throw a lot of information at you in the beginning. Oh fuck, talk like and, fifteen minutes of just like information here, like that. Yeah, and I always get lost when stuff like that happens. Mm-hmm. I have to like learn, like I'm really bad with names and mm-hmm. faces. Yeah. So if you throw information at me in the beginning of a movie. Mm. And then you expect me to keep up? Like, I'm still trying to remember the first five minutes of the information yeah. after you're done with that part. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm lost already. Whatever. Yeah, because you're taking time to, like, process it. Because, like, he's... Like, Hugh Grant is essentially giving you, like, a giant exposition dump. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning. And I... I really picky on shit like that. I mm-hmm. really hate exposition dumps. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking annoying. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Uh, the the patient's weird. It goes up and down, like I said, throughout the film. What did you think about the uh, cinematography? I saw some really beautiful shots. Um, yeah, I will admit cinematography is good. Um, trying to remember one key shot that I like, but I can't really think of one. Well, there's a um, one of the pictures you're going to use for the thumbnail. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll get yeah, yeah. That's right. That was a good shot. That was an absolutely good shot. Plus, I like how they they were telling the story about um, like when they were talking to Lord George, mm-hmm. and like without giving things away. Mm. You know how they set that scene up to me told a lot because there's one thing, one everyday item that's kind of distracting. But oh it's yeah. It's not a lot, not really distracting us, but it's mm. distracting someone. Yeah. Um, like. But I felt like they used it in a way that wouldn't normally be used. Oh, okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I can't, I mean, I know I'm confusing listeners, <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, what else? What did you think of the actor? I know you, I, I know you like, um, you like Charlie Hunnam because you, you used to watch him in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. And he wasn't a little bitch like, you know, The Lost <laughs> World of Z or whatever the fuck that was. You hated that movie, didn't you? I hated that movie. Jesus. And it's, what's so sad is it had Charlie Hunnam and Tom Holland. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, God, you guys sound so wimpy. <laughs> yeah. And it was boring. The 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 Lost City of Z, not, not rock. I'm going to say rock and roll. That's the gentleman, right? Right. Okay. Um. He sounded like I like the gruffness in his voice, and, the, and you know, so like from Sons of Anarchy, mm. it was there just with a British accent, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So that was cool. And I like how refined he, he, like he looked. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback onto that. You know, these are some stylish looking fools. Yeah. Everybody was like, damn, is everyone stepping out of GQ magazine? What's going on with this shit? Yeah. Even like Colin Farrell's like outfit was like sick as shit. Mm-hmm. I wanted those glasses he was wearing. I was like, I need to get those, those some dope ass glasses. <laughs> oh, um, there was a scene actually. Hmm. Uh, and I don't think it's really giving anything away either. Okay. When Charlie Hunnam and um, Hugh Grant's characters are talking, mm. and Hugh Grant is wearing a pair of oh Ray Ban, yeah, yeah and all those Ray Ban glass sunglasses, and so they were dope. just reflecting the scene back to the viewer. Yeah, even I though thought, you're not looking yeah. where Charlie Hunnam is, uh-huh. you can see basically his background mm. in Hugh Grant's glasses. You know what? With that, I, I didn't think about it until right now you just mentioned it. I think that was a, supposed to be like a metaphor of like the dollar signs that Hugh Grant's character, like his in his mindset. Because mm-hmm. it felt like what he was looking at, it wasn't gold, but it looked like gold. Mm-hmm. Like every time he looked at Charlotte Hunnam, all he saw was like gold. Like I'm getting money off of what's, what's happening, what's transpiring, or the story I'm telling. I see it a little differently. Oh, okay. People hide behind their glasses, like their sunglasses all the time. And the mm. reflection was such that you couldn't actually see mm. what he was thinking or what he was feeling. So it was oh, almost okay. like he was hiding behind them mm. and reflecting back to maybe Charlie Hunnam or the audience, mm. um, you know, what was around them instead of what was going on with him. Oh, okay. Got you. Like a distraction. Yeah. It was like okay. a mask almost. Okay. I can see that. I can see that. I mean, I totally disagree with it. It's stupid, but no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. I can totally see that. Yeah. I didn't think about that part. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I want that barbecue. Yo, that barbecue was sick. <laughs> I'm not a barbecue person. I mean, I don't even, I'm, I'm not even a person who's really striving to own a house or anything like that, but yeah, I'll get a house just to have that fucking barbecue. That shit was really dope. <laughs> But see, Grant, I think you can only cook like one item on that barbecue. No, because it had multiple areas where you could cook. Oh, okay. But he was only cooking one thing. Yeah, that one so. steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me see. What else is pretty good? You know what? Okay, so the com- the comedy is pretty good. Um, There's a few parts I was chuckling uh, pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, that at the same time, there's a bit of a problematic, problematic issues with that comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, like the subtle racism that was coming out. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't a spoiler, but like, there's an ep- there's one part in the movie where someone's called a black cunt, and like, this character, this white character, it's explaining to this black guy why black cunt's not racist, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of like, "Yo, dude, are you just white explaining this shit to me right now?" Like, what? No, like, no, I'm not letting <laughs> that shit fly. That was like one of my biggest issues. Like, what? I, I get it. I get it within the context. It didn't need to happen. That dialogue, that joke, did not need to go. There was no point to that fucking joke. Yeah. It was like saying, like, no, no, he's, he's, he's not racist. He's black cunt. We didn't think he was racist at all. Why'd you say that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, if he was going to call everyone, like, that's a running theme. Everyone's a cunt. It's a British thing. Yeah. Well, I'm saying, like, it's not that so British that you have to have it in every <laughs> fucking scene. Yeah, that's true. Um, But anyways, if you're going to call someone a cunt, call them a cunt, not like, a black cunt. White cunt, black cunt, Asian cunt, whatever. Like, yeah. See, that that's what that was my issue. Like, why do you have to call him black cunt? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, just call him, you know, 
A cunty cunt. A cunty cunt. Or a special cunt. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to add on before we go into spoilers? Yeah, don't be a cunt. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I thought some of the relationships between certain characters was kind of weird and out of place. Really? Yeah, like um, Colin Farrell, I really enjoy when he plays that type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that he was, I don't know. Not maybe as dirty as some of the other guys, mm. uh, but he, I felt like he was like, um, like almost fan service. Him being in the movie was fan service oh, okay. because he's played that type of role before. Mm. And I don't really feel like he brought anything special to the story itself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Like I'm, I'm not upset that mm. I had to see him. Yeah. You know, I always enjoy him. Yeah. I just feel like. You know how we thought Knives Out was a little too clever for too us. clever, mm. like not clever, like smart, but like okay, we a little too smug. We knew we were where we wanted to end up before we started it. Mm. It's kind of the problem. Oh, okay. I think like the they wrote the ending before they wrote the beginning of it. That's mm, okay, how it felt that. to me, and I feel like they kind of maybe knew who they wanted in this film already before. Oh, okay. Specifically so they, yeah, for. so they wrote parts for them. Okay. I can, I can see that. I don't, um, I looked up the, the trivia. I don't say anything about that. I, I wouldn't doubt it that that was, that guy Richie was like, oh, I want, I want this specific actor for my role. I mean, that's how, that's how, that's how, uh, some of the, some of the writing process is that you want a specific character or a specific actor, mm-hmm. but it does seem, I wouldn't say it seemed like fan service Colin Farrell in, that Colin Farrell was in. I just think it was Guy Ritchie. He was like, hey, I'm going to make this British gangster film, so I'm going to get as many f- famous British people as I can in this movie. Mm-hmm. Or like some of my people, some of my British folks who I have worked with before in the past. So th- therefore, these people are British. Like J- Jeremy Strong, the guy who played Matthew, he's actually British. Charlie Hunnam, obviously. Colin Farrell. Um, I think, I think... I kind of think that that Matthew McConaughey character might have been written for Brad Pitt. Really? Yeah, because he was. I don't know. I kind of. I can picture Brad Pitt in that role. They both have a surfer dude kind of yeah. way about them, yeah. so I think he probably would have been okay in it. But I yeah. think Matthew McConaughey was the right choice. Yeah, yeah. Because he got to bring out a little bit of his. Uh, what's that show he was in? Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, it wasn't a show. Um, I don't know. Wait, he was on a TV show. I think so. With... It does not compute. <laughs> no, like in Netflix or something. He was on a show on Netflix? I think so. Are you talking about a movie? No, it was a show. Well, can you describe it? It was, uh... I think it was the same one that Mahershala Ali was in. Oh! You talking about True Detective? Yeah. That's HBO, woman. Sorry. Sorry, that was a very sexist thing for me to say, but it was HBO. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, all right. You want to get into spoilers? Uh, yeah. Uh, here are the spoilers. have to talk about 
some of the things that were problematic with this film. Okay. Okay. Don't get me wrong. We like the film, but mm. you know, we got to talk about the good and the bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, one thing I actually really liked was Matthew McConaughey's character, um, Mickey Pearson. Mm. I liked his relationship with his wife. I liked that too. That was a good relationship. Because she actually, like, he married someone who was just as much of a boss, if not more, mm. than he was. Yeah. Um, she held her own. She ran a fucking all-female car garage. I thought that was pretty cool. I very, like that. Very forward-thinking, Guy Ritchie. Very forward-thinking idea. <laughs> Even though that actually does exist. Yeah, I know. But that's but, like, I feel like Guy Ritchie wrote that. He was like, oh, yeah, that's pop. Let me go ahead and write that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But when we was talking earlier about the relationships mm. and the issues, um, the, okay, so he runs, um, Matthew McConaughey's character, Mickey Pearson, right, he runs like um, a weed empire, mm-hmm. you know, he has like 12 locations that nobody can find because basically they're underground, yeah, they're on the ground, but they're on they're on the properties of like lords and who own like castles and manors and stuff like that. Right. So basically, they earn a commission off of um, his business, and mm. he helps them with some of their problems at the same time. Mm. Um, and he's getting ready to retire. Yeah. So he shows someone his business because he's going to sell it to this guy, and yeah. then that's you know, the um, the Jeremy Strong character. Matthew. Matthew, yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's getting robbed by, like, this group of young guys or whatever, mm. and that's how Colin Farrell's character comes in, because mm. he's like, okay, these guys are my wards. Like, yeah. I'm supposed to be teaching them how to fight and how to stay out of trouble. Mm. They're good kids, but they just, you know, went down the wrong path. Mm. So he has to, like, pay off their debt mm. by helping... Like Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam and, and um, Matthew McConaughey's characters. Yeah. That's why I felt like it was a little bit of a... Fan service? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Because you like Colin Farrell and you like how he plays his roles. Yeah. Especially that kind of almost like gangster type role. Mm. But I feel like he wasn't necessary to the story whatsoever. Hmm. He didn't really add anything. He was just running around like he was a convenient solution to a couple of things. Yeah. Instead of them doing it themselves. Uh And they already had people that they knew like that were they were working with that we had seen before we even saw Colin Farrell who Mm. could easily have taken care of some of the things for him. Yeah. Or for them. Yeah, I guess so. It seemed like it seemed like that that it seemed like that group of kids was kind of like a plot device for them to have another reason how Charlie Hunnam and Matthew McConaughey's character like finds out that they're being betrayed by Jeremy Strong, by Matthew, Jeremy Strong's character. Um, I, one thing I, I did. Okay. You're, you're more, you think that's more of a fan service. I actually kind of really like Colin Farrell in this movie. I mean, I mean, you didn't say that. I I like him too. I just, I would have wanted him more involved or to oh, be more character. clever. Mm, okay. You know, like he belongs in this movie. Yeah, yeah. 
I just wanted more of him and not, you know, not for it to be like, okay, well, I'm just going to show you how much of a gentleman they really are because they're allowing me to pay oh, off okay. my debt. Gotcha, gotcha. And, okay. you know, as far and they could have used anybody else. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. I can totally see that. I, I actually would go as far as say, like, I wanted to know more about that character. Yeah. Because obviously he has some past dealings in that underworld. Mm-hmm. Like at one point, um, he's uh, Colin Farrell's character helps Charlie Hunnam, like actually rescues him. Mm-hmm. And he had a gun underneath his car seat this whole time yeah and that's not that's something that's not something you would just have if you're just a coach Mm -hmm. you know like he knows like when bad stuff is gonna happen right so i'm really curious if they had shot more of that more scenes with that character to kind of give you more of his backstory which i i I would have actually liked if they did that i would have too the other issue i had with him is because how much of a badass you know colin farrell is even Mm. if he's not showing it like you know he's holding it back because mm-hmm. he doesn't like it yeah um you would think he had he would have those teenagers or young adults more in line yeah. like they're a bunch of fucking idiots and they're just going off and doing whatever mm-hmm. and he's like okay i guess i have to you know mm-hmm. work off your debts because you know yeah you guys are stupid like yeah he does he does call out one of them when uh one of the one of the kids reveals Colin Farrell who he knows he stole the the their the stole the the weed from mm-hmm. and he kind of like really calls him out to a point where like the even him shouting would like stop a room which yeah I thought which I thought was pretty cool to show like the power or the influence that character has around him mm-hmm. like there's even that part when they introduce him and like kids are trying to attack him with knives and he just like pushes him and slaps him and then he like. The kids find out, like, holy shit, he's the coach. Yeah. And I'm like, well, who the fuck's the coach? Like, give me more of the coach. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, got, I would probably agree with you. It was a waste of opportunity to have him more into the, into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even, like, if he was really riding with Charlie Hunnam for a while. Like, I know there's a there's a couple parts where Charlie Hunnam's, like, rolling with, like, what, two or three thugs? Yeah. That's under Matthew McConaughey. Maybe one of them could have been Colin Farrell, like, for the ride. Yeah. And then get more involved. Then we could have found out more of the character. Because a lot, because like three of those thugs, like out of like those three thugs, mm-hmm. you could have dropped like one of them out and it would have just been like, whatever. We don't really care. Or he could have gotten more involved if like, you know, because they were already dealing with younger people mm. who, you know, there was like that heiress or whatever who yeah. ran away and was like doing drugs with like these other kids from college or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if one of his kids knew her or something? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. like, he had to get more involved because this other kid was going to get himself into trouble. So he was uh-huh. trying to stop it before it started. Okay. As opposed to, no, I got to clean up your guys' mess because y'all are idiots. Okay, I got you, I got you. And, and something like that. I don't know. You just be a little more, I don't know. It could have been a, a better way Richie could have went about. Yeah. When I, was I got you. Um. Well, okay. So one of, one of the biggest issues that we had is it's like how the story's being told. Um, it's a narration. It's a narr- Yeah, it's a narration. But like we're essentially watching events that already happened, and it's just kind of weird how like like there's a way to kind of like bring that into the story, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of like let the story be told. And then maybe you go back to like to the present to see what the characters are doing. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of back and forth. That kept, like, taking me out of the movie. Or he was talking over, like, you know, if, like, if you're going to go back and forth mm. and you let it play out, 
sometimes they go back and, and check on the characters, like you said. Yeah. But it seemed like he actually kept talking. Hugh Grant's character. Hugh Fletcher. Grant's character, yeah, yeah. Kept talking for like at least 50% of what was going on yeah. before he wasn't talking anymore. Mm. And then he'd start again before you see them again. Like, yeah. it was just too much of Hugh Grant. Yeah, yeah, I probably had to say that. Not, I wouldn't say too much, but it was a bit much. Well, it was too much because of the narration. I don't think yeah. he was bad. Yeah. I found him annoying, it's I just think, a, It's just points, the narration was just too... It was just too much. It was yeah. narration. Like like you were saying, exposition dumb, but I know you've also said before, you don't like it when stories are just narrated. Yeah, there's a, there's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it. I mean, like one of the prime examples of bad ways recently is that movie we mentioned it last week but that movie will fall from grace <laughs> that narration was god awful and of course i mean not everybody can be scorsese and goodfellas with great narration but you can't find the middle and that's the thing guy Richards never really relied too much on narration he kind of just let the story play out and let like the 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 the, the chaos kind of like meet in the middle maybe that's why it wasn't that good because he's not used to it yeah, I think that's probably it. Like, I didn't, I didn't mind when they were telling when, when Hugh Grant's character was telling the story. It just like he kept coming back and forth into it. And then he would have a, like a lot of ambiguity, mm-hmm. like to try to like build mystery and everything. Mm-hmm. That's what I found annoying. It okay. wasn't just like the narration. I'm like, whatever, because sometimes that helps me. Mm. But if you're gonna try to build like suspense, because you're like. Well, that's not really what happened, now is it? Mm. And, you know, and then you know Charlie Hunnam's character is like, "Oh, you're just fishing because you don't really know what happened." And it's like, "Oh yeah, it's like, well, then why did we just watch well, that? Then what are we? What are we talking about here? Then what happened? Yeah, because now you're just like trying to get me to remember something. You know what you were talking about before that, so I can find out what actually happened and just like forget that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I don't do very well because I get really turned around. Mm. Okay. Um, there were a couple parts I thought that was actually kind of funny was when uh, Hugh Grant's character would really exaggerate certain things. Like there's this great scene um, where Matthew McConaughey is sitting down with uh, Henry Golden's character, Dry Eye, and the conversation kind of the conversation gets blows up like in one second and Matthew McConaughey like shoots him and he's like he says that line he said he says a line that's in the commercial where it's uh when the lion hungry when the lion's hungry he eats and like shoots him and I remember I was just like whoa holy shit like this is it like I love this shit and then the kind of reverse it I was like I know what you did there all right that's kind of funny I'll let yeah that go. yeah yeah so that wasn't too bad so. and I like that too because um I think and I'm kind of guilty of it too I mm. see Matthew McConaughey sometimes as just a really laid back guy mm. and it's hard for me to know like remember anything he's been in where he's been intense mm. so it's kind of good for me to be reminded that yeah, yeah matthew mcconaughey mcconaughey can actually act and he's not just you know that one guy from that one movie with uh um goldie hans daughter the that the what the fuck is that movie called like getting out or no. Oh, how to lose a guy in ten days? Yeah. Ooh, Jesus. 
I gotta sh- I gotta show you Killer Joe. Killer Joe is a really fucked up movie. I gotta show you that. And yeah. I heard and um I heard that movie he did in Mud is actually really good too. Yeah. Like you can actually see his acting chops. I mean, if you saw if you saw a True Detective, you can no, see- yeah, True Detective is like a really good example of how intense he can get yeah, when yeah. like all the veins are popping out of his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so one of the I I think the the biggest fucking issue, especially for me, I don't know. I think Kelsey's on board with this, and I don't want to say she is 100%. But that ending was very like, what the fuck was this? Yeah. Like, at the end. It was like a really convenient way to end it because he didn't know where else to go. Yeah. Like, well, okay, before before we get into that part, um, I will have to admit, I did like the subtle nods to certain British gangster films, especially like um, the nod to our geriatric cinematic, which is. the long good friday mm-hmm. there was a couple really cool shots i was just like that's from the long good friday and it's like this really cool shot where matthew mcconaughey's characters in the backseat of a car the camera's kind of like on him and like he's been kidnapped supposedly by like these russian gangsters and stuff like that and it's very long good friday but the way how that scene ends it's like it ends on a more positive note than the long good friday ended yeah which i liked i did like that because you know we'll get into it further when we do our geriatric cinematic but i really like that movie and i like how like what's the word i'm looking for how bad that not bad like it's a shitty done no like bad like oh this character's dead Mm -hmm. so i like that in that movie and i but at the same time i wanted that character to like have a good ending Mm -hmm. so it was cool to kind of see it in this movie to be like oh this is what would happen if a b and c happen and um longer friday but going into like going into the um the ending of the movie yeah like hugh grant is in his in a merrimack studio offense office of all fucking places tries to sell him the script of the story we just watched yeah and i was like yo guy richie are you just swinging your dick now well at first you were like i don't know what to think about that yeah like I- we were both <laughs> were kind of thinking about it because we're like i mean it's an ending yeah yeah it it ended <laughs> i was just like what like what did, yeah. I, did you just waste two hours of my fucking time yeah because i know you thought they basically told a story that a guy read from a paper yeah but then after he's in the in the studio that's not where it ends because all of a sudden charlie hunnam is has him in the back of the car like yeah he like leaves and gets a taxi and it's charlie hunnam yeah and he says he says something familiar from the earlier part of the movie, which maybe gives some validity to the story. He but says, not- Roar. I am huh? the lion. Did he say that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> no, he says, he says something about, like, oh, play a game with me. And, like, that's how their story began at the beginning of the movie. So I was just kind of like, yo, did we just, like, watch somebody just, like, read a fucking script? Yeah. That kind of bothered me about it. Yeah. I know I didn't I didn't feel like we just watched someone read a script. I just thought it was dumb that it ended up there. Like mm. naturally, if you couldn't make a deal with someone and these people were dangerous mm-hmm. and you do a bunch of shit and now they're gonna be after you, do you think you'd end up in Miramax studio or do you think you'd be On the first plane out? <laughs> on the first plane out. Like you don't have to do that meeting in person. Mm. You could, I don't know, video chat. Yeah, he could have like emailed him the script and be like, this is what I think. And then boom. 
Yeah. And plus, like, it's not like it's not like um, uh, Hugh Grant's character was an unknown character. He was like a tabloid reporter that people knew about. Yeah, exactly. So, so it would have been something he probably could have sold online. So. I mean, we're just kind of going like, oh, we should have ended like this and whatever. But yeah, like, obviously, we don't, we're not successful writers. Yeah, but we, but we can't see the issues. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, what are we doing the podcast for? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you're not really familiar with the whole British gangster genre. Uh, you've seen, you've seen, I've shown you Long Good Friday and I've shown you Snatch. Mm. I mean, those are the only two things that you've seen that's in that realm, right? Mm-hmm. What do you? What's your? What's your opinion on the whole? From 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 this one alone, like, do you think this was like a good representation of a British gangster film? Like, do you got? Do you have that sense of that? Yes, mm-hmm. for the simple fact that I think British do sarcasm and snark better mm-hmm. than Americans do. Oh yeah, and um, and this really showcase that and and i like i live for sarcasm that's Mm -hmm. like my favorite yeah so the way they did it was a lot of fun and and if this is what british gangster films are Mm -hmm. then i would love to watch more yeah unfortunately they're not all like this they can be very serious and very like dour and shit like that yeah but like that's one of the reasons why i like a guy Ritchie british gangster film because they're fun and like the jokes are hilarious like um, my friends and I, we used to quote snatch lines all the live long day. Mm-hmm. Like one of the funniest things I've ever heard in a film was um, one character looks one character like these characters are on a stakeout. It's from Snatch. I don't know if you can remember it. These characters are on a stakeout. They're looking for the specific guy with three fingers. If you guys are listening, you know I'm talking about Freddy four fucking fingers, four fingers. Sorry. <laughs> and one of the characters looks at the other guy and says, oh. <laughs> he says. Oh, is that him? Did you see his, his four fingers? And the other guy, the other guy goes, I don't know. Let me grab my fucking binoculars. And just the way how he says it. He doesn't say binoculars. He says binoculars. Like, it's so fucking stupid. I said, but it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, this is a good, it's a good British gangster film. Um, it is a Guy Ritchie film. It's not as good as I was hoping it would be. But I'm glad that Guy Ritchie is at least dipping his toe back into that world because that's what he was known for. Um, and I know he he obviously explores further out into different types of genres because he wants to challenge himself. Cool, but when he comes back, like I I welcome it every time. What's that? Um, that it's actually now film series mm-hmm. that came out like the Kings, the Kingsman or something like that. Where oh the, the Kingsman, yeah. Kingsman, the Kingsman Golden Circle. Yeah. Okay. I got the same feeling as from that. Like it's like that level of fun, mm-hmm. but just not um, so uh, campy. Yeah. Um, oh god, the name right now is escaping. Uh, the guy who directed the Kingsman. Um, he's worked with Guy Ritchie. He's been a producer on Guy Ritchie's uh, Guy Ritchie films. Um, I believe he produced Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Matthew Vaughn. I believe he's produced Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Oh, okay. And then he ventured out on his own and he did Layer Cake, which is another British gangster film. It's not as funny, but it's actually still good. Yeah. Yeah. So then I guess I made a connection I didn't know I made. Yeah. Oh, shit. Made a connection. <laughs> da, 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 da. 
Um, anything to add on to it? Nope. I'm just trying to see if there's anything in the the trivia section that I care about. <laughs> I was like, nope, don't care. Nope, no, I don't really care. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, talk to an actual British person. We're going to do our variety time, and uh, it's Simon Says. Simon sets the pace. You follow right along. Light the lights that Simon lights, or he'll tell you that you're wrong. Simon's a computer. Simon has a brain. You either do what Simon says, or else go down the drain. The letter reads as such. Warmest greetings to you guys from a morning that finds the United Kingdom particularly wet and windy, but then that's nothing new. Well, we've finally gone and managed to finalize all of our tedious political wranglings, saying a big fuck you to the rest of Europe, and laying plans to rebuild all our castles and recapture the good old days of plague outbreaks and annual wars with France. Woo. Instead, we're all sat back now, sipping from a cup of Earl Grey, watching you guys carry on thrashing out yours. Though I still have no idea what the bloody hell a subpoena is, but it sounds very exciting. It's a note pretty much saying, you have to come to the principal office. <laughs> yeah, like, you have to come to court. Yeah. Um, now, I know if there's one thing you Yankee Doodle Dandies like more than an impeachment circus, it's a government agency with an acronym. Oh, we love those. Yeah. Uh, you've got the FBI, CIA, ATF, NCIS, DOJ, TSA, DHS. Even for a country your size, it really is too much. DHS? Isn't that a delivery service? No, that's Department of Homeland Security. Oh, <laughs> Stupid man. I think I'm thinking about no, that's DS, not DSL. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go oh, on. Oh, he, he forgot DEA. Oh, yeah, he forgot <laughs> DEA, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> well, he's not American, so he wouldn't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so this week, I want you to explain what the difference is between the CIA and the FBI and who decides which department gets to investigate which crime. Also, just harking back to when life was a simpler time, and I used to sit and watch the X-Files every week, what is the difference between an agent and a special agent? Much love, Simon. Simon Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so, so a subpoena is basically like uh, you've been summoned. It's a summons. Yeah, this is a summons. You have to show up in court and, a- and answer these questions we are going to give you. Yeah. And if you don't answer the subpoena, they're going to throw your ass in jail. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I learned a lot. Mm. I feel like it's redundant to have the Department of Homeland Security and the CIA. You mean uh, you mean FBI and CIA? Oh. No, no. I meant Department of Homeland Security and, and CIA? the CIA. So they're, they're pretty much the same thing? They're very similar. Oh, okay. See, I didn't even know this. Um, so the CIA is basically the FBI. Okay. So the CIA is pretty much the DHS, <laughs> and the CIA is pretty much the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, and isn't pretty much isn't no, the, isn't ATF pretty much the DEA? No, the yeah, but for, <laughs> but wait, 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 okay. but for guns, not drugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> just merge those two together. That's what I'm saying. Give me the DEA, ATF. DEA, DEATF. Oh, don't forget. There's ice. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. ice. Um, 
Vanilla. The C the CIA is also the CIA. <laughs> the CIA is uh, basically the FBI. Okay. But the CIA deals with international things. Oh, uh, okay. And they also don't have the right to arrest anybody. Really? Yes. They just have the right just to shoot you. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they do. Just ask Kennedy. <laughs> okay, go on. The FBI. And Marilyn Monroe. Go on. They do. Um, and Martin Luther King. Thing. No, that's FBI. Sorry. Go on. Do you want to? Oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry. My, I, got my t- I got my tinfoil hat on right now. That's all. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, take that shit off. All right. The FBI, they, um, they basically deal with things that happen inside of our country. Mm. Um, and they also can arrest you. Like they could arrest a CIA agent, mm-hmm. but a CIA agent could not arrest an FBI really? agent. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, that's like one of the main differences between them. I thought, I thought the FBI, I thought the F- FBI handles, uh, more terrorism kind of things as well. Or is that I mean, both? They, they can. So like they have a little bit of overlap. Okay. Because, um, like the CIA, they have spies and they'll like, mm. I don't know, they'll try to find out anything about terrorism that's going on. Yeah. But we'll the FBI like, does that too because technically it's like on our soil. Okay, I got you. So FBI is more like home, well, like homeland security. So FBI is more like homeland terrorism, even though they don't do their jobs trying to stop white supremacy, whatever. I think they're more after the fact. Like yeah. a CIA is more before it happens and trying uh. to prevent it. Yeah, and the CIA, and supposedly this, well, not supposedly, the CIA knew knew the knew that the uh, the actions of nine eleven were going to happen, right? That's yeah, they just didn't take it seriously. Yeah, yeah, okay. And the FBI handles things afterwards, so they More do reaction. the investigations. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if you guys kind of want to picture FBI, like sonification of FBI CIA, I actually got a list together of. Uh, and this is just, just me being the movie, the movie idiot. Um, so on the F- not just the idiot. Yeah, not just the idiot. <laughs> so on the FBI side. Oh wait. Oh, before we go, that what's so? What's the difference between agent and special agent? We didn't cover that. Um, now I don't remember. I'll have to look it up again. But basically, an agent is a federal law enforcement officer mm. that can arrest other people. Okay. Um, but cannot conduct like major criminal investigations oh, okay or who can conduct investigations but not have arrest authority so they they have one or the other oh okay they can't do both gotcha a special agent can do both oh okay special agent gotcha. the end okay so on the fbi side we have x-files fox Mulder, dana scully point break johnny utah hannibal and signs of the lambs will graham and clary starling twin peaks dale cooper um, Kate Maser from Sicario and Sean Archer from Face Off. <laughs> On the now the CIA, the CIA one gets kind of ridiculous. It gets wild. It gets wild. Obviously, Jason Bourne, CIA operative. Ethan Hunt, CIA operative. Brian Mills from the Taken movies, CIA operative. Dylan Carl Weathers character from Predator, CIA operative. <laughs> Apparently, in the Marvel world, Black Widow and Nick Fury are considered CIA, even though they're, they're shield. shield agents. Jack Ryan, CIA analyst. 
Knight Rider, Michael Knight, <laughs> and here's the wildest one. Bullwinkle, J. Moose, and Rocky the Flying Squirrel are considered members of the CIA. <laughs> so uh, it's, it says the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, so, you know, it's canon. They're CIA agents. Maybe. That's probably how they know what's going on in everybody's lives, because every single squirrel that sits on a tree and looks into somebody's home <gasps> is basically a spy. They're CIA agents. Oh, shit. <laughs> so if you see a squirrel looking at you through a window, CIA operative. Yeah, like, just, you know, close your blinds and mm. your curtains slowly. Put on the tinfoil hat. And, you know, cover your window with tinfoil so they mm. can't, you know... Scan your room for audio. Mm. And uh, that's it. Oh, um, before we leave this segment, I just want to I, me- I want to mention this because I, I remember um, reading up on Nick- Nikolai Tesla. Uh, it's Nikola. Oh, sorry. Nikola Tesla. Thank you. Nikola Tesla is this famous inventor. Uh, he went up against, um, what's his name? Edison. Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. Um, when he died... The U.S. government went in and took all his information, all his papers, all his data and stuff like that. And supposedly J. Edgar Edgar Hoover saw this information and he was like, we got to keep this shit secret. And another person who looked at this paper is supposedly Donald Trump's uncle. Mm -hmm. I think his name is like Thomas J. Trump. Uh Uh-huh. And supposedly he looked at the paper and he was like, this is not important. But it's a Trump. So I don't believe that person. <laughs> anyway, that's that's a bit of information I found um, found out earlier today while I was watching Doctor Who. Yeah, it's not a Doctor Who. It's not in uh, while Doctor you were watching Doctor Who. <laughs> no, the, in 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 the recent episode of Doctor Who, they had Nikola Tesla on the um on the show, and I was just like, let me look up Nikola Tesla because I remember like really getting into that guy and the whole his whole mystery and stuff. We watched and, uh, David Bowie play. Oh, Nikola yeah, Tesla the Prestige. Too. Oh, man, that role is so fucking awesome. It was good. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, so, Simon, we hope that uh, that answers your question. Hey, we uh, we also linked an infographic in case you're interested. Oh, yeah, we're going to put those in the show notes. It's kind of boring. Like, it's funny in the beginning. Like, oh, okay, cool. And then it goes on and on. Yeah, for a while. We're just like, all right, we get it. <laughs> Where's the movie reference? Give me some movie reference, please. Yeah. Um, for our geriatric cinematic, we are doing the long Good Friday. London, Good Friday. Not just any Good Friday, but the long Good Friday. Outside of church? You're not crucifying people outside of church, not on Good Friday. Harold Shand, undisputed king of London's underworld. Now he's setting up the biggest business deal of his career. Hands across the ocean, right? To the future. Someone is out to stop him. You think of anybody who might have an old score to settle us? Who's big enough to take you on? Someone, somewhere, knows. Right? I want the man who knows. Right. Who fancies what? The IMDb synopsis is an up-and-coming gangster is tested by the insurgence of an unknown, very powerful threat. Directed by John McKenzie, who was best known for Quicksand in 2003 and Ruby in 1992. Um, it's written by Barry Keefe, who did Sus, Sus mm-hmm. in 2010, 
and Play for Today in 1970. Stars Bob Hoskins, also known as James Haddon. (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't get that joke, but if you listen to our past episode, we had our buddy James, who's uh, flown over from England. Uh, He looks... Kelsey pointed out, he apparently Bob Hoskins is James Haddon's father. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, shit, can't get it out of my head. Um, so Bob Hoskins plays Harold, Helen Mirren, Victoria. Paul Freeman plays Colin. P.H. Moriarty plays Racist, mm. also almost known as Racist. Racist, yeah. <laughs> uh, Derek Thompson plays Jeff. So, <sighs> what... It, what I like that hard sigh. What did you think about this movie? The only good things to come out of this movie were Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren. Not even Pierce Brosnan? No. <laughs> I absolutely found it so mind-numbingly boring that I couldn't mm-hmm. even follow the fucking story. Okay. Um, Like... I was there in the beginning mm-hmm. when I was trying to get interested in it, and then yeah. for the reveal at the end. Okay. So I was like, but everything in between didn't really matter. Okay, gotcha. And I kind of piqued my interest every time I saw Bob Hoskins, because he just very, um, like, he emotes really well, and mm-hmm. he's very dramatic, but, yeah. um, like, some of it was, the pacing was kind of weird. Yeah, there are moments where it's like, it's really slow. So, like, I was just like, okay. Like, I just felt like it was a chore to watch. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, I, I actually really like this film. I, I I will admit that a little bit towards the beginning, I was like, damn, this movie's slow. I don't remember it being this slow. Mm-hmm. But as the story progressed, I just started getting more and more involved um, in it. But I think that has to go to what you said is Bob Hoskins. He, like, commands every scene he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you... If, you people, you people, you people, I know you people. Um, if you folks are kind of, it's not connected who Bob Hoskin is. He's Eddie Valen from Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and he's Mario Mario from the Mario Brothers. Really? You've not seen the Mario. You've never seen the Mario Brothers, have you? No, I I oh. saw. I did see one of them with Big Bertha. What? What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe it's a different Mario movie. I don't know. There's only one Mario movie. Mario Brothers movie. There was one that came out. It was so ridiculous, like in the 90s. It's not a Mario Brothers movie. Then it was a parody of one. Ooh, Jesus. I mean, that's probably worse than the... That's probably better than the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, but I, I absolutely love Bob Hoskins' role because he's a total fucking badass. Like, like, he plays this crime boss who's like who's kept um who's kept peace in london for like 10 years between like these crime families and stuff and he finally wants to go legit but like shit keeps happening to him like his car gets blown up um with his mo- that and his mother's like in the church next door to the car explosion his casino gets blown up his good friend gets killed you know and like they're they these these this unknown force or these unseen people are like gunning for him and he doesn't know who or why yeah and they're like ruining this great great deal where he's gonna build a casino um in london Mm -hmm. and it's you know it's it's kind of reminiscent of uh you can tell this is where guy Ritchie got his inspiration yeah for the gentleman 
granted, the whole good guy trying to go legit is not something new, but you can see a lot of elements right. in, in that movie. Um, so I was, I was totally in it. Like, like I said, after I kind of got over that hump, I was just like, yes, this is why I like the movie. I like the dialogue. I just like how I just love how Bob Hoskins goes. Bob Hoskins goes crazy. I really like how Harlan Mirren plays. She doesn't play like this. She reminds me of Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, you mentioned that. I can definitely see that. Yeah, and she doesn't. And Helen Mirren doesn't come off as like, oh, I'm just like this boss's wife. No, she's just like, no, like I handle his shit too. I found it. What you found? What? 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 what, what is I it? found Big Bertha. Big Bertha. She was a, the big black lady in the superhero Super Mario Brothers movie. What? No, big? I found. Go to the bottom of the docket, and I'll post the YouTube link. Okay. Well, I can't really watch it now. No, I know, but you'll see if you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, see, I'm not going crazy. Oh, oh. <laughs> why are we talking about this again? Because Bob Hoskins plays in the movie. <sighs> Big birth. I do remember that character. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get, let's get back. Let's go. Um, so I, 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 one of the things I really enjoy about this movie is how, you're seeing like when you get when you see Bob Hoskins coming into the movie, like his first introduction, mm-hmm. he's wearing this super slick suit. He's walking through the airport. The music's like picked up. It's like this really dope scene to be like, yeah, this guy is like cool, but don't mess with him. Mm-hmm. But as the movie progressed, you see that slowly be chipped chipped away. As he's, he's, he's becoming more and more violent. Mm-hmm. Like there's this really great scene where he has essentially like these generals, mm-hmm. his, his generals. Or these uh, gang leaders in these certain sections that he looks over, he gets them and takes them to a meat locker and hangs them upside down. And it's pretty much like, if you guys don't tell me who's fucking with me, I'm going to beat the shit out of all of you. Yeah. And it's this very threatening way. Yeah. And I think it's even so cool how he even like, he even backhands like the police chief mm-hmm. who's just like, you know, who like it later revealed that like the IRA is involved and like they want his head and... Bob Hoskins is just like, I'll fucking kill everyone in the IRA. And the chief is just like, like, no, dude, like Interpol's got a hold of this. And he just backs him like, bitch, I'll tell you who's in control of this. Yeah. And I was like, damn. <laughs> Scary. Yeah. Um Is there I I know you said you, you found it kind of tedious or kind of a chore, but is there anything that I actually really yeah, liked about really it? Yeah, you really did like about it. Besides Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren? Mm-hmm. Um I liked uh, the idea that they had friendship in, like, in the film. Like, Bob Hoskins loses his friend, who, by the way, is very gay. That's very... At that time, this movie came out, what, 1980? Uh, yeah, 1980. And they had a character that he really cared about, and he was gay. Yeah. That is very forward-thinking. Exactly. Um, so I liked that, because... It kind of showed some depth to the character. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just his, you know, Vietnam buddy or whatever. Yeah. No, like, he was actually really great friends with this guy. And um, even though he kind of fell kind of on hard times, like, mm-hmm. he wasn't, like, homeless or anything, but it seemed like he was lost. Yeah. Uh, He still really cared about him and, like, checked up on him. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
he kind of trumped any other friend that he had in his life. Yeah, that's the one that really set up. That was one of the things that really set him off Mm -hmm. was the death of his friend. And he was just like, I'm going to kill the guy who killed my friend. Yeah. And then it ends up being another friend of his that kind of got him killed, even though it wasn't. He didn't kill him. Yeah. He was like, you're an idiot because you sent him to go do this thing. Yeah, your actions caused him to die. um, And in turn started like this essentially this war i have to go through now yeah so he he did like a like a reactionary type Mm. murder yeah he ends up like he sees red and he kills his other friend yeah that's that was Derek thompson who played jeff and then he like loses it like he's really sad because he just killed his friend yeah um one thing I, I really notice is, like, right after that, mm-hmm. he leaves and he's covered in his friend's blood. Yeah. And then he's, like, in the shower. Mm-hmm. And the shower seems kind of, like, corny. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it, it's really symbolic. Mm-hmm. Because he's, like, really emotional. Like, like, I don't know about anybody else, but, like, growing up, if I was really going to cry about something, the shower was, like, the best place to do it. Oh, yeah. You're not the only one. I've cried shower, too, sometimes. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, so there, you know, he's in the shower and he's like really upset and he's, but you could see him. He's not just crying, but he's mm. like, like washing away his sins almost and like, mm. like trying to refresh himself, I guess. I would, I would take that scene um, symbolically. I think that's a, I think when he washes himself, I take it as like he's washing away the gentleman he's built up to be. Like when the movie starts, and he's like, by the time he steps out, he's like, I'm just back to like my gangster ways now. Mm-hmm. Like, now he, because you know, when you take a shower, you feel refreshed. You feel, you feel new, but you feel like yourself. Mm-hmm. I take it as him feeling himself now because what later follows is he takes out the leader of the IRA in like brutal fashion. Yeah. So I, I think that was kind of, I think that's what this, that, to me, that's what I think the scene was trying to say. That makes sense to me. Mm. Um, so I, I guess I really like some of the symbology. Yeah. Um, and of course, his mom almost died. <laughs> yeah, his mom almost. Well, it's kind of like car. fuck that lady. She. <sighs> I couldn't stand her, and I think probably just as much as he couldn't stand her. You told me when he backhand that lady. No, the lady at the church. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That, I think that was his mom, not yeah, her that, mom. Yeah, that was his mom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like the 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 violence in the film is kind of few and far between. But when they hit, they pretty mu- they hit pr- really hard. Like that part where he kill where he's like uh, he has razors, essentially cut up that one dude with a machete. Oh yeah, and it's like br- like you don't really see you do see like one slash that forms blood mm-hmm. in the most painful way across his ass. <laughs> no, it's like oh god, that has to hurt. But he like does it repeatedly, and you just hear like. Like, like cut across. You're just like, oh, he's cut like meat <laughs> off the guy now. Yeah, that shit was brutal. What else? What? I, th- I think that's you know what the only other thing that really sticks out mm-hmm. for me from the movie mm-hmm. is in the beginning when they're on the boat. Yeah, there's this one lady who clearly did not wear sunscreen. Oh really? Yeah, she's like she sticks out like a sore thumb because. 
She's wearing like a purple dress and she's uh-huh. got red fucking hair and she's wearing like blue or purple eyeshadow or something. I didn't even notice and that. And she like, she looked, she had her hair up uh-huh. and like a loose bun or like a French twist or something. Okay. And then like, and she has like curly hair too. So it's almost like Miss Frizzle. Yeah. And then like when it cuts back to her like later, like a little bit later, mm. She's red. I I didn't even notice that. Like she was white and then she was red. So she had like <laughs> red skin uh, with orange hair. Geez, exactly. <laughs> it was really distracting. <laughs> um, what else? I gotta. I gotta. I have to talk about. Oh, so two things I want to talk about. One. One thing I, I want to talk about is um, before we. Uh, I had mentioned. I made a quick mention, but Piers Brosnan is in this movie. <laughs> This is actually that's actually this is actually considered his first credited role, with no with almost no dialogue. I think he says like "hi," and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's so weird because you see Pierce Pierce Brosnan pre dental work Pierce Brosnan, so you're just like, wow, his teeth are jacked up, and he's like skinny as shit. Uh-huh. Like you look like he could even pick up like a Walter PP seven. That's the gun. That's the James Walter PP seven. Yeah, that's the James Bond gun from the PP Islands. <sighs> Are you bring with that stupid show? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but like i remember i remember the first time i saw saw this movie i was like holy shoot this is fucking pierce brosnan and he's not in the movie now and he's not the one with the worst teeth in the movie yeah right remember that uh, one oh, guy pa- parky yeah um parky the oh, i i can't remember the dude's name his name's like doug something or like that yeah the guy who played the, the police chief yeah uh-huh. you, you called him snaggletooth snaggletooth yeah because he had like his mouth looked like he was trying to fake smile. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like his lips weren't curving up. They were just straight across. Okay. And then like his teeth, you could kind of see them under his top lip like a little bit, which is normal, but they were still oddly shaped. And then this one tooth that was like in front of all the others and it was just by itself. Yeah. His name is uh, Dave King. That's the <laughs> actor's name. Well, you know, Kings should have better Healthcare, so they could take care of their oh, teeth stop better. Stop it! <laughs> stop it! <laughs> I mean, my teeth aren't perfect, but you know. <laughs> um, so, from what I found out, uh, the character uh, Bob Hoskins played Harold. Um, uh, what's his name? The writer. What's his name? Barry Keefe uh, specifically wrote the role for Bob Hoskins. Oh, really? Yeah, and and from what I found out, Bob Hoskins didn't act for like a whole year. After this role, it doesn't go into details why, but it just said he didn't he didn't act for a whole year. I can probably he probably just needed a break. Yeah, because this is like a really intense role. I mean, if you want to see, I, I I didn't know Bob Hoskins played this role because you know growing up to me he was Mario from the Mario Brothers and Eddie Valen, mm-hmm. and seeing him as this in this character or as this character in this movie, I was like, holy shit, this dude can fucking act. Yeah. Totally awesome. That's the only thing that I, like, because I, yeah, I've seen those other two movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously I didn't recognize him. Yeah. So having just seen this one, mm. I wouldn't expect anything less from him now. Like, he set a bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There, there are quite a few movies that he does really well. There's another movie he does with Helen, Helen Mirren that I heard is really good. Um, the name of the movie escapes me right now, though. Is he still alive? 
No, he died, uh, I think he died about like five years ago. He didn't, was he in like in a lot of things? Yeah, he's a, like a, he's in a lot, he was in a lot of dramatic roles. He wasn't actually in a whole, a whole lot of comedy. He did this one movie, it's, <laughs> he was in this movie with Denzel Washington. Really weird fucking movie, right? Mm-hmm. He played, um, did he play, he played a, like a detective or something like that, and who's very unhealthy, right, who just doesn't take care of himself. And what happens is that he has a heart attack, and he gets a heart transplant, mm-hmm. and the heart transplant belongs to a lawyer, mm-hmm. and the lawyer was Denzel Washington. But Denzel Washington's not dead. Like, he sees Denzel Washington, uh-huh. like his ghost. And his ghost is like, you're going to solve my murder. And there's this really, really stupid scene where, like, Bob Hoskins is like, fuck this. I'm going to eat this hamburger because I'm really hungry and I don't care how unhealthy it is. And mm-hmm. Denzel Washington is like, you're not eating that. He's like, no, I'm going to eat it. So there's this really stupid scene where, like, essentially Bob Hoskins like fighting. He looks like he's fighting with his burger, but it's really Denzel Washington trying to keep the burger away from him. Like, go- <laughs> it's so weird. It was such a weird. Oh, I can't. What the fuck's the name of that movie? I want to find it now and just be like, yeah, this movie exists. <laughs> we should watch it. <laughs> it I was. It was a really weird movie. We should watch it and then be like, that's our, what the fuck did we just watch? (laughs) Seriously. Uh, I can't, I can't find the name of it right now. Uh, Okay. So, wow. Wow. He was in Spice World. Holy shit. (laughs) Bob Hoskins was in Spice World. (laughs) Really? Yeah. I just saw his name right there. (laughs) Um, Oh, so one thing I, I really want to talk about and I absolutely love about this movie is the ending. Uh huh. I, I absolutely love the ending of this movie. Um, Harold finds out that the IRA's after him because of some deal that his friend fucked up and they're coming after him because they consider him the boss of this guy who fucked up the deal. Mm-hmm. And this Bob Hoss, uh, Harold, you know, he's trying to make this other deal. He's trying to make this deal with this casino or uh, to have his casino built. That falls through. Mm-hmm. He tells the American, the American investors to go fuck off. Tells him how he's going to find another avenue. He gets in his car, and he's like, all right, fuck it, let's go. And the car takes off, and he realizes his, Helen Mirren, his girl, is not in the car. She's in another car being taken away. Mm-hmm. He looks in the front, and it's two members of the IRA. And it's Pierre Rosman point, has a gun and points to him. And the music picks up. It's this really great scene of Bob Hoskins. You just see his face. Uh, the director said that the camera was going to be on Bob Hoskins' face for five minutes because he wanted to get every single reaction of him. And it's so beautifully, not so beautifully done, but so well done because you see his reaction or you see the action, like what's going on in his head through his facial expression. Yeah, so like almost all of the, um, all the different levels of grief or whatever. Yeah, like uh, like denial, depression, uh What's the bargaining and anger anger and acceptance? Like it's all right there in that face. Yeah. And it's so dope because you're just like, holy shit. And by the time the movie ends, you're just like, that's it. They fucking killed him. They fucking killed him. (laughs) Like, holy shit. He had a really bad day. They fucking killed him. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that. I absolutely love that in this movie. That's when the movie ended. I was just like, this movie's great. This is why I like it so much. Yeah. But you're just like, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> um, 
I had something to say, but I don't remember. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. You don't remember what it was? (laughs) Um, Okay, so one more thing about that ending. Uh, Supposedly, they were going to do a sequel to Mm -hmm. The Long Good Friday, and the movie would have started with him in the backseat of the car, and he's being rescued from his captors. But the the sequel never happened. Mm, So he actually died. So, yeah, he most likely died. Uh, he and Pierce Brosnan actually never filmed a scene together. I, I could believe that because you never actually see them. Like the way how the camera, you're talking about the ending, right? Yeah. Yeah, the way how the camera set up, you just see Pierce Brosnan expression, like his face, and then mm-hmm. Bob Hoskins, but you never see like them in the same shot. Yeah. I, I can totally believe that. Um, I wanted to point out... If you're done just talking about this film, mm. some of the similarities between this one and um, The Gentleman. Okay. Uh, first of all, we were making a joke about The Gentleman and they used cunt too much. Mm-hmm. And this one, they said fuck off all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> one of them fun. was like cunt and the other one's like fuck, fuck off. Okay. Um, and then you were talking about machete. Okay. And I remember oh, yeah, yeah, Matthew McConaughey had, he used that, yeah. Holy shit. There were a couple of them in the gentleman actually. Yeah, they obviously like the the stories are somewhat similar. Um in uh The Long Good Friday, uh Bob Hoskins causes calls his deal with the Americans uh hands across the sea mm-hmm. or hands across the ocean. And in the gentleman, this is not a spoiler, um Matthew McConaughey gets a gun and on it engraved uh hands across the sea. Yeah. Which is similar. And then there's even a shot, the shot at, at the end of the movie of uh, of The Long Good Friday. It's very similar to what happens to Matthew McConaughey's character in The Gentleman. Mm-hmm. To the point where, like, you even have the camera set on Matthew McConaughey's face. And it keeps cutting back to, like... The, the driver. The driver. And, like, the driver's eyes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, that, like, that, that is super, super similar. Um, there was something else, too. Mm. Oh... The way Charlie Hunnam was and um, Bob Hoskins' friend. Uh, Who, Razors? Or? Not Razors. Oh, Jeff? Yeah. Okay. I would say that they were almost similar in a way because Jeff yeah. was really calm and relaxed and like, mm-hmm. like you know, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Like, I'm your friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see um, that. And Charlie Hunnam was very supportive of Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, like Bob Hoskins, Harold and Jeff, they're like, Harold respected Jeff's opinion and his advice. Mm -hmm. And same thing with uh, Matthew McConaughey and Charlie Hunnam's character. He like respected Charlie Hunnam's uh, uh, opinion and advice as well. And was like, you're my right hand man, you know, go do this. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of similarities with that as as well. Yeah. Um, So... Do you want to talk about who did it best? <sighs> who did it best? Okay, I'll admit that The Gentleman is a, a lot more fun to watch. Um, the comedy is... it's The comedy is fast-paced, but it allows you to stay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and The Long Good Friday, there's a bit of comedy, but it's not it's not as good. It's not as sly or slick mm-hmm. as it is in gentleman um i don't know i i want to say the long good friday probably did it 
Maybe the long good. I think probably the long good Friday probably did it best. It was a little more realistic, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was a bit more brutal, but it was just like, yeah, that's that's the gangster life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I so I would probably say the long good Friday did it better. I'm gonna go with something surprising and agree with you. What? I don't like that movie. Don't get me wrong. Uh huh. But I could see how. Because it would be a little bit more serious of a gangster film. Mm. Um, and how Bob Hoskins was, just by, like, just with him alone. Yeah. How it would be a better, a better British gangster film. Mm. Um, I just think that it wasn't trying to be clever. Mm. It was just, like, focused on Bob Hoskins acting. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I would have to agree with that. <laughs> can it just you, wasn't as much fluff, you know. Can you picture Bob Hoskins in the Matthew McConaughey role? How that would look? Mm, I actually can, mm-hmm. but I don't think it would have as much of an impact. Okay, because they're different. Um, yeah, different styles of acting. Yeah. Yeah, I could totally agree with that. Yeah. <sighs> Anything else you want to add? Nope. I'm tired of talking about this really great movie. Was it nefarious and gregarious enough for you? In all the areases? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us on all the podcast catchers. Uh, shout out to Lee Llewellyn, wherever you are. Yeah, Lee. Hit me up, please. <laughs> we need to talk, Lee. Thanks. <laughs> um, he did the intro and outro to our show. He is part of the band ElectricWest.com. What I he? mean, Electric West, and, and they have a website, ElectricWest.com. What does he play on Electric West? He plays what? The- I think he's a, the lead vocalist. Lead vocalist? And I think he also plays guitar. Okay, right I think, on. I don't know if it's the bass or the guitar, but one of those two. Mm, he needs to lead his way into my DMs because I need to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, he needs to sing to you. Yeah, he needs to sing to me. What's up, Lee? <laughs> Come on. Come on, dude. It's been three What's weeks. What's up, Lee? Sing to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next week, we're doing the rhythm section and Road to Perdition. What's the connection with that? Loss, grief, and revenge. <laughs> That's going to be a fun show. Yeah. And all of them are fun shows. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's going to be it, folks. Um, and here's a quote from Kobe Bryant. The most important thing is to try and inspire people so they can be great at whatever they want to do. 